0: This is the N.H. experience. experience.
1: Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Thank you you because it calls now.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be here today.
0: And yes, like Mayor Bass, thank you all for tuning in to the NH Experience. We have a brand new show, a whole lot to unpack. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the brand new week. Before I get started, get going, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick NickHamiltonLA as well as on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213 Got to bring my guy, producer extraordinaire, engineer to the stars, Jake Warner. What's going on,
3: man? What's good with the Nick, man? What a weekend, what a beginning of the week. I'm ready to go, man. I'm recharged, I'm focused, and I'm down to do this show. And I'm just happy, bro. I'm ready to get it going. I'm focused, man. I'm focused, man.
0: <laughs> Listen, it's been a lot going on in the last week. I know Ooh. last week we didn't we didn't talk to everybody because we had to take some time off. Yes. But we are back. Final two episodes of the year before we head on out for the year and, and introduce 2023. But I will say this much. Y'all know what time it is.
2: If it's going on in the world of sports and entertainment, you know, Nick Hamilton is going to speak on it. It's time to get it popping.
0: All right. So over the weekend in the city of Angels, better known as the second largest city in the nation, Los Angeles, introduced their second black mayor in history and first black female mayor in history. In Karen Bass, who I happened to attend her inauguration ceremony as a member of the media, <clears throat> excuse me, on Sunday. And yes, as some of you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't one of the, 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 the voters that voted for Karen Bass at the time. And, but I did like some of her policies. Um, and a couple of things stood out to me about Karen Bass. One, first of all, it was a very it was a very nice ceremony. I mean she had Chloe Bailey singing, she had Mary she brought Mary Mary out to sing. Um the young lady that did the uh poet the poetry for the president.
3: Um Oh yeah, she's eloquent, man. I I love her. Oh man, she, she is incredible. Yeah, like she is incredible. We, we need to see uh, more of her, man. Like most definitely,
0: you know. Amanda Gorman. I want to make sure I get her name, Amanda Gorman. You guys can go go to my Twitter, at NickHamilton213. You can see everything uh, from the ceremony, in case you missed it. She was incredible. She gave a poem that was epic. Um, Stevie Wonder came out, Mm. sang a few songs. And and one of the songs that he sang was uh, that he wrote for former South African President Nelson Mandela that he sang at uh, Karen Bass's inauguration. And, of course, Vice President Kamala Harris came out and swore her in. Um, It was an interesting moment because when you start, I I, I pay attention to so many different things. Obviously, you pay attention to the people that are on the stage, but I look at the the crowd and I watched some of the faces in the crowd because I was where we were seated, um, I was seated kind of close to the stage, maybe about seven, maybe about eight or nine rows back hmm so i had pretty good bird's eye view and i'm watching the crowd and i'm watching the people and everybody's hyped up on the emotion everybody's hyped up you know because it is it is historic the fact that you see the first black woman mayor of a large city like los angeles and i and it, and it hit me because it was like damn she's only the second black mayor and the first female mayor like black female mayor of a city like this i'm like yeah we talk about diversity, but damn, where the hell was the diversity when it came to the ship. Right, and, and, and you know, because, I'm sorry, Nick, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> nah, no, I'm it, just, I'm just appalled, dude. It, like it's, it's, it's mind boggling.
3: I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm really tired of hearing the first black so and so, the first Latino so and so. It's ridiculous. All these years later, we're still saying that. We shouldn't be saying mm-hmm. that anymore because it should just be mainstream. But it's sad that it's. That that's the reality and it's really sad that we still use these titles, man to describe it. Is it people. sad?
0: Are you really surprised though?
3: I'm not surprised. I'm, but not... I'm not surprised. It's just it still makes me sad to, to know we're still it, the first black It best, don't make me sad. That. I'm proud of it. I just wish there was more of it. That's all I'm saying. Like it's just... No, I get
0: what you're saying, okay, but it yeah. doesn't make me sad. Like I that's not the word that comes to mind when I think about that. I think pathetic is the word that comes to mind for me. There you go. Because the fact that this is the woman who came behind Tom Bradley, yeah. who happened to be the first black mayor of L.A., period, man, man or woman. Yeah. And then you wait decades later yeah. to bring a woman of her caliber into office. And the one thing I will say she said that really made a lot of sense, Um, she gave props to everybody that came before her. She gave props to Mayor Eric Garcetti. I know Garcetti doesn't have a lot of fans, but to me, you got to give Mayor Garcetti his props. Because a lot of the things that's happening with the airport, as far as the transit system goes, a lot of things that are happening with the train system in in, in L.A. and L.A. County was because of him. Mm -hmm. A lot of the environmental things that are going on in the city of Los Angeles were under his watch. Yeah. So whether you like him or not, I've always had a good relationship with with Mayor Garcetti. Anytime I've seen him, we've always talked and had a good relationship. And I I hope he continues to to do, you know, great things in his in his political career. Um, I wish him the best. Um, But one thing about Karen Bass that I will say, or should I say Mayor Bass, uh, is the fact of when she made this particular statement right here, take a listen to what she had to say.
2: So let's compete not against the business community, but with the business community, side by side, to preserve and grow our economic and employment base. That starts with bringing people inside and safer and cleaner neighborhoods with reliable city services. But it also takes a fundamental shift away from no, away from that's not my problem, to how can we work together and get to yes. It starts when we understand when businesses open, when businesses grow, when businesses thrive, they hire people. And putting paychecks in people's hands, that solves a lot of problems. So to the business community, I am ready to partner with you. Angelenos, we need to recreate the spirit that I have seen in Los Angeles after our most trying times. After an earthquake, everyone in the city looks around and asks, what part can they play? What effort can they join? What specifically can I do to help my fellow Angelenos? Well, right now, there is a role for everyone. If you are a Hollywood creative, I call on you to help inspire people to get involved in our city. If you're a tech entrepreneur, I call on you to help me make City Hall run smarter, faster, and with more accountability. If you are retired, I call on you to share your wisdom with our youth. And if you're a community organizer, let's organize our neighborhoods together.
0: And that's exactly what you have to do. You have to challenge people, man. You have you can't. I'm so sick and tired. Now, this is the part I'm sick and tired of. I'm sick and tired of all you trifling bastards out there that want to blame politicians for not getting the job done, and you sit on your your you sit on your raw keisters and do nothing but complain and point fingers, mm-hmm. and don't do anything to better the situation. You don't get involved. You sit at your barbershops or your hair salons or nail salons or in your backyards or wherever the hell you, you claim to to, to, to to reside at, and you sit there and you complain. You don't get involved. You don't do anything. Oh, well, you know, I, I one person can't do anything. Well, that's, see, that's the problem. If a, if a bunch of one, one persons have that same attitude, yeah. then, of course, nothing gets done. But if you maybe you have to be the kickstarter in your community, maybe you have to be the kickstarter in your neighborhood to realize. And I'm not just talking about using your words. I'm talking about being involved via action. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is that is a process. And I and I agree with Karen Bass. You can't just blame just like everybody wants to blame Obama for or oh, President Obama didn't do it live for the black community. What, 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 what responsibility did you bestow upon him? You can't just blame him and say, oh, well, President Obama didn't do anything for for the black community or for he did stuff for other communities. You know why? Because other communities put his feet to the fire. Other communities held him at his word and they made sure that they reminded him of what he promised during his campaign. We didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So you can't blame a president for not doing that. Just like you can't blame whether it's Karen Bass or whoever at the end of her term, if she doesn't get x y and z done in your community you can't necessarily give her all of the blame i'm not saying she's not without blame i'm saying you can't give her all of the blame right. because that's why i'm glad she challenged everybody in the city and in the county of los angeles for that matter mm-hmm. and even throughout the state to say look this is beyond a city problem like she said our problems go beyond the city limits i'm challenging the county of los angeles I'm i'm, I'm talking to governor newsom and this is what we have to do to fix this. But as if, if, if black people in the black community don't <laughs> say, look, you told us this. We are holding you to this mm-hmm. in your term. Right. Maybe not the first hundred days, because obviously we have a huge homeless problem that, that needs to be put a dent in. Um, there are a lot of other uh, situations as far as crime, as far as uh, the employment rate and things of that nature. Get all of that. That's all very important. But so is the economic status of black businesses and minority owned businesses throughout the city. And that was one of my points as far as when I looked at, okay, what is your plan for black businesses and then getting them the access to capital and minority owned businesses and getting them the access to capital, not just the capital, but having access to. Mm-hmm. And she challenged everybody. If you heard of that clip where she said, Okay, if you tech savvy, help help the city become more tech savvy, run, run better, run faster. Mm-hmm. You know, so she challenged everybody to get involved, which I'm like, hey, she got a point. She has a very valid point. So I said, okay, mayor, I'll take you up on that challenge.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, as a as a citizen of this of this fair city, I'll take you up on that challenge. No problem.
3: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um you know what I mean? So I think it's just it comes it comes to a point where um, I think we have to take responsibility and maintain responsibility for ourselves. But I thought it was a great ceremony. We'll see what happens. She did declare that she's going to in the first day uh, of her being the mayor. She will de- uh, declare a state of emergency so that she can get uh, resources to deal with the ever growing homeless uh, problem that that continues to plague our city. Um and it, to me, it's like it's not about just getting people houses. It's about getting the mental, mental and emotional help. Yeah, um, it's about getting them. You know, there are a lot of people that not just people that just okay, we they lost their jobs unfortunately, or they lost their homes. There's a lot of veterans, and you can speak to that, Jay, oh, because you man. being a veteran, I- there are a lot of veterans on the street that need mental in physical services, man.
3: Absolutely, and I will speak on that, and thank you for that. Um, first of all, I grew up homeless. Uh, for, for a good year, I lived out of a van as a teenager. So imagine trying to get through high school and, and have a social life, and get over anxiety, and puberty, and all that stuff, and you're living in a van. So it's not easy, and so I have a soft spot for homeless people. And now the veteran problem, here's the thing, and I'll speak on this quickly. There's no big transition. From being a, uh, someone in the Navy or, or, or the military to civilian. There's no programs that are funded by the government. There's no any, any resources for that. So when people come home, and they've had PTSD and they've done all these things, they got to come back and acclimate to a normal society. And for some, it's very hard because you're, you're in the military. You're trained to kill. You're trained to be, you know, take orders. And all of a sudden, you're on your own. You don't have your three meals every day. You don't have all the, your, your, your set schedules. And it gets difficult. So I think we need to tackle this, and we need to tackle it quickly. And I, I believe veterans that have served their country should get top-of-the-line, first-of-the-line priority when it comes to some kind of homes. But you also need the training. And you also need all the, 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 the skill sets, uh, like trade schools, like help, help out the veterans. That's why we have a problem, but people just want to just oh throw them in a home to be all right, give them the skills they need to maintain a job, give them the skills they need to maintain functioning in a normal society, and I props to Karen Bass for that that she wants to tackle that first and foremost. Well, speaking
0: of veterans, uh, there are a lot of people that are upset as of late. And what I mean by upset, they are downright pissed off because now we know Brittany Griner has been detained for 294 days before she was released last week mm-hmm. in the, in the wee hours of the morning or overnight, whatever you want to entitle it. Uh, she had been detained. Uh, she had been tried and sentenced, uh, to a nine year prison bid because of, uh, according to the Russian government, she had been, uh, she had uh, what it was it hemp oil?
3: Yeah, it was hash oil. Um, she had hash a oil. Yeah, she had a yeah, pen. hash
0: oil and a um, four or five different vaping pens or what? Yeah, cartridges.
3: Me. Um, which is purely legal in California, but in Russia they have a zero oh, tolerance policy.
0: Right. And, and, um, yeah.
3: <laughs> so and she got caught with it, and you know, and then she's detained. And there's a lot, lot of polarization on that topic, man. As you know, well,
0: it's it's a huge polarization because the thing about it is, people are pissed because they swapped out an arms dealer, who was a known worldwide arms dealer that Russia had been trying to campaign to get out of a U.S. prison, mm-hmm. um, in exchange uh, for Britney Grind, and ultimately that happened, and a lot of people were upset because they felt like, okay, you just traded the the dude that could cause World War Three. Uh, for a a, a woman basketball player. And here's the problem when I have with that with a lot of people that said that. Number one, and I've said this on this show, so Jake, you can be my witness. Absolutely. Did she put herself in that position to get caught up? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did she deserve to be a political pawn and be used and and abused and uh, made to be an example of by the Russians? No. Absolutely not that woman had no business being in jail when you've had other accounts of women that did not look like her Mm -hmm. that had that was actually there to push drugs and Got out two months later and only paid a fine of what we consider sixty dollars in you in United States money And they got out in two months Mm -hmm. but yet Brittany Griner we have to make sure and and props to everybody that kept her name Alive and kept her name in the forefront and made sure that, that, that this incident did not go away quietly that people use their voices. I give a lot of credit to the WNBA. I give a lot of credit to the players in the WNBA. I give a lot of credit to her wife, Sherelle. I give a lot of credit to uh, NBA players, people like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, um, people like uh, uh, John Morant and other NBA players that really made sure that free BG was not just a hashtag that it actually meant something. Yeah. Um, and it, and, and the fact that you brought awareness to a topic that was unjust because there was no reason that woman should have been in a, any kind of Russian jail for that long, 294 days,
3: yeah.
0: to the point the woman had to cut her dreads because they kept freezing in the shower. She had to cut her hair, her hair. I understand is part of her heritage, that's why she grew her locks because they represent something for her. Mm -hmm. And the fact that woman had to go through all of that stuff, and I've heard a lot of the negative complaints, calling her Joanna man and calling her a a hippie. I've seen some stuff where they called her a drug. Oh, you're going to trade a drug addict for an arms dealer? What about the other guy that's that's stuck over there that can't get out? Well, guess what? Russia said, take it or leave it. We want the arms dealer. You take the basketball player take it or leave it what is joe biden and his administration supposed to do say no no they can't the u.s was not in the position to play hardball so they had to take britney griner which i'm glad they did and And let's not
3: that's uh, all they offered was her so i mean that's how they operated yeah
0: that's all that's the only way they operated it exactly so so what is she you what are you supposed to do are you really supposed to sit up there and just say well you know act imposture and, and, and meanwhile while you're posturing uh you this woman continues to to lay dormant in a prison that she that she doesn't belong in is that what we're going to do we just going we going to sit there and just
3: do that and and let's keep it real too the previous administration could have done the same thing and tried to trade for the prisoner of war so to speak or the veteran the, the marine and they didn't do it. So it goes hand in hand. And if you're only offered Brittany Griner, you're going to take it. But people don't see that, and, and it's all politics, and that's what happens in these scenarios. So, it, it, again, polarizing situation. You know, she's home. Good for her. Should she have done what she did? Absolutely not. But for what she did, I don't think she deserved that much time when it's a slap on the wrist of everyone else, like you said, especially when you have other tourists come in the country and do things like that. But again, slippery slope for all, but when that's all you're offered, you take it. And the previous administration didn't do anything at all. So all that noise can go.
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody even knew about... uh, Everything that went on, right? Like exactly. everybody, people. We were all. What was it? Paul Wheeling is his name, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Nobody even knew about Paul Wheeling until we we talked about Brittany Griner and, and, and trying to secure her release. And everybody's talking about, oh, it's such a dis. I can't believe the Amer- America is such at a disadvantage. They trade a basketball player for a, 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 a arms dealer. First of all, the disrespect that people are showing Brittany Griner is uncalled for. It is appalling as a country. And you wonder why we call this thing two Americas. Because, in, in, in the US already said that they're not going to stop advocating for Willing's release. They're not gonna stop advocating for his release. They're gonna continue on the talks. And at, at some point, maybe he will, he will be able to be released and come home back to the United States. But in the meantime, in between time, we just rescued an American citizen. The same the same rights that you claim you want people to have. Oh, go there and rescue our American citizens. Well, she's an American citizen, too. Why was it the same empathy and the same uh, rejoicing happening for the most part by all Americans? Then, when you see another American detained in a foreign country, why weren't we give? Why was she? Well, why weren't we all standing in, in solitude and clapping and rejoicing for the fact that she was released and brought back to her family? And now, also, let's also not forget that this woman is going to need extensive mental and emotional therapy, along with her wife, to be able to deal with all of the things that she had to endure for those two hundred ninety-four days. We're not going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about the fact that how the U.S government traded uh uh, 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 uh utilize a, a, an american basketball player for an arms dealer we really that's what we that's what the argument comes down to y'all are dumb some of y'all are just dumb as hell and just have no empathy for people and again you wonder why most of us people of color black folks in general say that we are living in two americas think about that Coming up on the other side of the break, we have two special guests, legendary music artists from the West Coast that have influenced music across the board, and pretty much music was in their blood. You definitely want to stick around your radios and listen to this interview with the one and only Cocaine and Cole 187, a.k.a. Big Hutch, from the legendary group Above the Law. Talk about their journeys and where they are currently with their brand new project, The Architects of g Funk. You're checking out the NH Experience here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Keep it locked. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go! This is Tua Tungle by Lua. Yo, Sway Calloway.
3: This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Everyone. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Sirius XM, yeah!
4: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
2: Slam
5: Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 124.9, iHeart Latino. The main talking body never tail. Now we crossing in the hood leaving a paper trail.
0: Ass, going straight to hell. First time I heard Welcome back to the NX Experience here, here on SiriusXM, Station 145. Make sure you check me out brand brand on Instagram everybody. at Nick Hamilton, LA, and also check out Nightcast Media, your gateway to sports, pop, culture, entertainment, tech, all rolled in the one. That is nightcastmedia.com. All right. We have some very special guests in the building. Want to give them their props. These guys are legendary musicians, legendary artists. And uh, they have been nice enough and kind enough to join us here on the program. From Above the Law, Code 187, a.k.a. Big Hutch, as well as the one and only, the legendary man himself, Cocaine, the Tier himself. Check out what he had to say. Hey, man, it's an honor to have both of you all on here. I, I got—I I know you guys have a brand new project. Architects and G-Funk are definitely going to get into that but I got to rewind the clock just a little bit because you guys are such legends when it comes to not just hip hop, but just music in general. Um, for those that may not know, now it's my understanding. Now y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but big Hutch, your uncle, Willie Hutchinson, 70, all all the classic movies, the the soundtracks and, and the music to the classic movies, uh, Cocaine. Your father was also involved in on, on the music scene as well. So talk to me, both of you, about just growing up, um, in the music scene and then growing up period, and how you guys evolved into uh, the artists and producers that we see today.
5: Um, well, yeah, you, I mean, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, for me, my father was a writer and composer, which was Richard Hutch, and then my uncle's Willie Hutch, and then our other uncle's Jerry. So we grew up. Basically, we grew up as writers and, okay. and musicians first, you know, first of all, musicians and writers first. So that that's how we kind of like, um, what a bigger influence for us with just learning music first. We took music, you know, we, we studied music first. So that's the type of influence that we had coming into hip hop, you know, coming from a musical family that was always first in the house, you know, knowing music first, um, highly influenced by everything that they've done. I mean, because, you know, they've done everything from, you know, the Jacksons to the Miracles to the Commodore's to the fifth dimension to the Undisputed Truth to it goes on, you know, yeah. Fifth dimension, all of that. So, you know, but yeah, I mean, we first, I, you know, I, you know, for my, for my, my answer to it is I grew up first as a musician. Then I kind of caught the hip hop bug, you know, as a young teenager.
1: Yeah, music, babe, just taken off from where Hutch was talking about, music was embedded in our DNA. So to kind of say, Nick, we kind of had the cheat code. <laughs> and, uh, you know, music was always played around the household. It was like a big pot of gumbo. You know, you had jazz, funk, you had uh, blues music, rhythm and blues. And back when the early stages, when hip hop was coming in, it was like, man, you can't get no better than that. You got all fashions of this music and it, we just absorb it so being coming from a musical background was definitely instrumental and you know us doing what we doing as musicians first and foremost because hutch played in the jazz band and i played in the jazz band as a shorty so we were always you know we were like what you call star children you know of the world yeah. so we was always in it
0: now that's awesome man i mean you guys obviously growing up you know obviously there there were some tough times um how did you still stay balanced? I know you guys had to get to the streets and then just on a survival tip. Yeah. But how yeah. did you how were you guys able to still balance the streets and still have that love and that passion to still learn the music and still be a part of the music to really get you over the hump?
5: I mean, surprisingly, you know, the cool thing about it is that the streets, you know, coming up in the 80s, you figure being a young you know, teenager, you know, growing into coming into being an adult, you know, um, and being in the streets and everything kind of wrote that soundtrack to the music you know what i mean kind of mm-hmm. you know kind of was able to create that blueprint that's how we created above the law so always having music as that in that background for us to, you know something that, that we could reach for kind of delivered us from the streets you know really you know that that's the whole thing about it because how when we first started out you know and i was just hustling in the streets always done music so you know mm-hmm. from you know, just, you know, just in the crates or, you know, writing or, you know, what I mean, even just hustling. So it kind of like once you start really catching to where it could really what a, what a dollars made sense, you know, as they say, then I start really, really taking it real serious on a professional level and then trying to get out of the streets and take music more serious you know but the fortunate thing about it, that's how we developed above the law if we weren't in the streets i don't think we would have had above the law and cocaine like we had it because that's the approach that we took we took more mm-hmm. in our music we took more of a street approach it kind of helped us write you know right um it kind of became the blueprint of what our sound was
0: right yeah definitely <laughs> man um uh, so talk to me hutch i mean Mm-hmm. Where did you see rest in peace? Where did you see at KMG man? Because to me, it seemed like that voice, man. He just had that voice, but it was the cadence, and then you came with the with not only with the production, but you came with your with your style as well, and it all seemed to come together as as cocaine mentioned earlier, like a pot of gumbo.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the cool thing about was always about us, and and you know, the greatest thing about KMG is that KMG always, you know, he 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 was like a person that was. How can you say it like a, um you know like a Darth Vader kind of dude, like mm-hmm. a like a dude that's like when he speak, he don't have to say much, but the way he said it and when he do it, it impacts everything, you know. So what we tried to figure out, me, him, me along with DJ Chaos, when we were developing above the law, you know, and then we incorporated like Gomac and, you know, Laylaw and then cocaine, everybody got incorporated into the whole thing. The thing that we were trying to develop was a yin and a yang sound you know like like a dude that's like coming out uh you know going crazy than a dude that's talk calm but he's mm-hmm. just as serious but with a different element yeah. to it and just as much as impact you know just as impacted you know what I mean So I think the greatest thing that people fail to realize about KMG was that KMG was probably more profound in a in a directly direct at you way. You know what I mean? Versus without him, I don't think you kind of pay attention to us on a serious note, you know, like far as on a, you know, like distinctively like these motherfuckers mm-hmm. mean business. It's like, like I said, it's like Darth Vader speaking or something, you know, what <laughs> mean? it's like who's the black ass dude that that deep ass voice like they, these motherfuckers mean business, you know, like that. So mm-hmm. uh, um, and, and I mean, prolific writer. Um, he's a part of everything that we do. when We develop, you know, the G-Funk sound. I mean, I basically sonically put it around me, him, and Cocaine's voices. You know what I mean? That's how I developed it. It was all around our voices sonically. So without that, we wouldn't even even had that sound because it's the dark, the light, and then the added extra, you know, the, the the sprinkles around it, you know, which which became our signature sound, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, just I mean, I, I I can't express enough how it doesn't happen without his voice
2: you
0: know <clears throat> no that's and that's what i always i've said this before and i'll say it to you big hutch because i finally mm-hmm. you know got it. but that's the brilliance yeah. of you i think people don't really realize and really give credit to because for mm-hmm. you to even have that vision to see okay the light the dark this side is how to come in this person has to come in here that's never right. easy so for you mm-hmm. to see that and then i'm gonna ask cocaine, i'm gonna flip it ask cocaine because obviously your voice man is is legendary like your voice stands out like we talked about kmg We talked about you. So, okay, at what point did you realize, okay, this is the voice I have. This is the voice I'm going to develop and use, and really get me get me in there.
1: Well, you know, Hutch is my sensei, my mentor. You know, and uh, you know, he he challenged me. He put me up to those challenges because he seen I was bold enough and actually can do. You know, imitating your George Clinton, your Curtis Mayfield, and your Rick James just as well as being an MC. Mm -hmm. So. In 1989, prior to signing the Ruthless Records, he said, "I got a name that I want to call you." I said, "What is it?" So my cousin named me Cocaine. I sat back for three minutes, <coughs> and I thought, "I thought, excuse me, I thought that was a brilliant idea." For See, there wasn't no secret to, to what E.Z.E. got down. Actually, you know, being banned off your MTVs and different other stuff like that, it worked in Ruthless Records' favor. Mm-hmm. So, Once I, I accepted the name, I did a three-song demo in 1989, and a contributing member of uh, NWA, Larry Goodman, which his name is Laylaw, was also right. Others would go back, so mm-hmm. we did a three-song demo. Laylaw and Hutch shot it to Eric Wright, Easy E, rest in peace. And it didn't take long for me to get signed because they said, "Here's somebody that do five to six different styles. This guy is bipolar when it comes to <laughs> And he really doing it. And this was prior to the days of your auto-tunes, your Melodynes, your Disdynes. No, you you really had bars and you really had to have some type of talent. So everybody, in my humble opinion, that's why they don't stress it enough with mentors. Mm -hmm. You know, we we had a lot of mentors growing up and uh, whether we listened to them or not, you know, but I'm glad I listened to my mentor, 187, that put me up to the challenge. And then at the same time, you know, due to the name of the most controversial name in the game, Cocaine, we turn it around and spell it K-O-K-A-N-E. That means when you hear our music, you it's like warning, listening may become addicted. Did so we're uh-huh. doing the spinoff of the drug game, but we are using it mostly with a funk thing.
4: Uh-huh. That
1: was true, cool, man. That was my humble humble surroundings. That was my introduction. Signed to Ruthless Records. But then it was a lot of lot of things that was going to come after that. Because after Above the Law came out, one of the most prolific albums, Living Like Hustlers, uh, in 1990. I was next coming out in mm-hmm. 1991. But Epic Records was distributing Rufus Records at that time. And they were so mm-hmm. scared of the name. Even when I got on interviews and say, my name's K-O-K-A-N-E, not Coca-Cola, that actually didn't change the name, that actually used to put things in their stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but traditionally, they wouldn't have them because the FCC laws see these guys, and they are already stereotyping us, you know? Yep. So, you know, a lot of times, because of the name cocaine in my early beginning stages, and uh, people wouldn't play my stuff on the radio. But because of cats like Cole 187, Layla, Dr. Dre, Easy e they put me up to the challenge. And it was like public enemy. You know, who cares about the radio? Who cares about a goddamn Grammy? You know what I mean? Yep, that's right. And that challenged me even more because music was already embedded into Hutch's DNA and my DNA. And we was like, shit, okay. They don't want to play us, man. We'll get hot on the streets. And that door being shut in my face opened up so many avenues because people wanted to adopt the sound because they, they said, damn, this is the only dude on the credit that sound damn near like George Clinton."
0: No, I mean, that, that's, that's spot on, man. You guys were a part of one of the most controversial and famous and biggest labels at that time with ruthless records because Absolutely. NWA with the, with the nears for life album. I mean, that was yeah. number one. And then yeah. all of a sudden the break comes. Yeah. So, yeah. how do you guys adjust to the break? I know you, I, I've seen interviews before where there was talk of you guys going on tour with NWA, yeah, with like, the other groups. Did mm-hmm. yeah. then, yep. then the break? Then the break happens.
5: Yeah, the break and, up happens after we go. You know, go ahead, finish. on my up ahead. Go
0: ahead. Hey, man, and, this is. I, I'm trying to learn here, so yeah, y'all go ahead with the stories. I'm just yeah, trying to guide I mean, the, the, you know, the
5: ship. I, I thought you had a question, like how we were affected by it, but yeah, go ahead and finish your question. No, well, I was going to say,
0: you know, how did how did you guys deal with the break and then be able to still stay focused as above the law and cocaine?
5: Well, I think I, I think one thing is is easy E. Just just how Coco brought up, like the brilliance of Eazy E. Was always, you know. We're gonna work what we have. You know, he's never gonna say, like, okay, like for instance, like with his name, he just oh, he just pivoted. He just said, okay, okay, we just gonna turn it into this. You know what I mean? We're not gonna sit up here and let it stifle us. You know what I mean? So what he did is like even okay, when murder rap got banned, he just okay, we're gonna use it. And it turned, you know, turned that into that. So I guess he felt like, okay, well, I still got me above the law and cocaine. I still got yellow still here, you know. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we got all these other artists that we're trying to develop and and, and bring to the. T- and we're a label, we're established. Ren is still here, you know. Everybody was still there. So what Eric just did, he just worked with what he had. He knew he still had brilliant people around, you know, to, that really wanted to do it. He knew he didn't ideally have a Cube or a Dre you know, or collectively NWA together. So he just he just kind of thought like an executive and said, okay, well, I'm going to put my energy in the EZE and WA, I mean, EZE, above the law, cocaine, I, and then he brought on Dracer, knockout, you know, and then we signed Bone Thugs and Harmony, you know, that kind of thing. We just kept rolling. Just the, the, the You know, the ball just kept rolling because as an executive, he always had a broader vision than just putting everything into one thing. Like when Cube left, you know, a lot of people don't know the whole situation with Q was a lot was, yeah, it was unfair. You know, there was a problem with between him, Jerry Heller and Eric. But a lot of it was because Eric wanted to put invest more into developing and putting out above the law. And then in turn, putting out other things other than spins off of N.W.A., which threw above the law came cocaine, which, you know, He put out the doc. He put out Michelle, Aiden. He put out us. Then cocaine comes out. You know, then we're established as a bigger label. Then they break up. Well, like I said, a lot of that comes from his vision. He always knew, like, okay, what if that happens? I still got above the law. I still got cocaine. I still got you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I still got other things you talk about. You still have great writers and producers around you. So that's just what he did. He just utilized the tools that he had and he built them, you know, he built his fort so tight that I don't think only thing that could have was the demise of Ruthless Records was Easy dying. That's it. It wasn't that NWA broke up, you know, because we were strong we were as strong when they left. We were just as strong, you after know. Dr. Left. Yeah. After Dr. Dre left. Shout out to Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre put us in the game in school. It's my brother. You know what I mean? But we were just as strong because we were so laced up before he left. You know, I was so laced up because I understudied with him. You know, so I knew how to make records for everybody. I knew I had the vision already. You know what I mean? I knew how to I knew how to help easy develop new projects. I knew how to help easy de- you know continue to be developed. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like he didn't have people. It's like almost he seasoned uh, all of us to continue moving on if whoever fell off whoever whoever decided to go do bigger and greater things awesome go do it you know what i mean but he just he whoever was there he just you like he knew that we were strong enough to just continue continue the legacy you know of rufus right
0: now was there a time that you guys were going to leave and go with dr dre and, and death absolutely. row
5: at some point absolutely I, sure. yeah uh go ahead coconut you know yeah, I, <laughs> Yeah, the thing was, was that, you know, we worked so closely together with family. We worked so close together with the DLC, Michelle Lane, Cocaine, Above the Law, Lay Law, the rest of Above the Law, Gold Mac, DJ Chaos, D, uh, KMG, rest in peace. We all worked together so so closely every day. Our issues were, weren't with Eric. It never was with Eric. It was with Jerry. We wanted Jerry out of there. You know, I'm disrespecting Jerry Heller, because we wouldn't have been nothing without Jerry Heller, but we felt like if it's causing conflict amongst the brothers, he got to go, mm-hmm. you know, so if yeah. Eric still wanted to continue to work with him, we'd rather go with our brothers, you know what I mean, and build something with them, you know what I mean, without somebody in the in the mix that's going to stifle us at that point, unfortunately, um, above the law cocaine, we were fresh into our contract, so we couldn't contractually leave, you know, mm-hmm. but we would have left. You know, we couldn't contract. It it was impossible. We probably would have never made. You probably wouldn't have got this great music that you continue to get, you know, after the fact. So it was all business. We understood it, you know, and uh, we stayed with Easy because we felt like and then we renegotiated our stuff and we got we made it a level playing field at that point and stayed at Ruthless, you know. Yeah,
1: it was it was crazy at that time, Nick, because we just got through. um Having a successful run in London, the only yeah. NWA tour was was NWA Boulevard Cocaine. No, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Academy. Everybody was happy. Hutch found the
5: break.
1: and uh La. was on that tour. and shout out to Mr. Light too. Um that's where Hutch, you know, found the break beats over there. You know, on those records they be having in London, and he brought the same break beat, you know, to 100 miles and running. So actually, People don't know Hutch was a part of producing that song.
5: Yeah, that's how I got on the record. Yeah, well, yeah, my, yeah, I put the drums everything,
1: on. Everything yeah. was speeches and cream, and you know we was in the studio at the same time. Uh, Bubble on cocaine was doing Black Mafia Life, but it was cool because I'm like, damn, these dudes, they we we selling the same amount of records. You know what I'm saying? Like regardless of what's going on, we selling these uh-huh. records. Regardless what Cube left, because we yep. at that time he said we selling records.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: So I'm
1: like, Damn man, this is a, this is the first time I got me and hutch got a platinum record in '91. No, yep. so but once they broke up and all that stuff, because we used to run around Shug. Shug used to actually manage us in dlc That was yeah. our partner, Mary.
5: That was our first manager, manager, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but. It, it, it was crazy because it was like, damn, that's the homie. Dre's the homie, Easy the homie. And we were caught in the middle. Yeah. Um, we were caught mm-hmm. in the middle. But at the same time, we renegotiated, like Hud said, because we felt like, hey, we can work this out. Eric took an interest in us, Pomona Cats, but nobody else did. So we honor our Compton brother, and we least wanted to sit down and talk to him. Well, Easy set up a meeting. Or above the law, Dr. Dre, and da 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 to come. But see, Dre didn't come to that meeting. He was right. already, you know, decided to do what he was gonna do with with should. But yeah, man, it was we were caught in the middle, boy. We was like, we was like, damn, Dre. It was like, damn, easy. But that's just the way it us was back then. But the cool thing about that versus what's going on in hip hop today. Man, they would drive around the corner, living Calabasas with each other, and wasn't nobody rolling down the window dumping on each other.
5: That's true. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. the only, yeah. you know, it was forces around them that got into some potential gangster shit. You know what I mean? But easy, easy was not wavered. You know what I mean? He was five foot four or five, but man, he had he had the he was a gangster with it. You know what I yeah. mean? And at the yeah, same time
5: it could have been it could have been a lot more it could have been a lot crazier but i mean yeah i I think he you know like like coke was saying like how people try to make it be it more was like bitter that we couldn't actually work together because legally you know i don't really think it was like beef like you know never felt like that you know what i mean never felt like you know i'm gonna go over there and do
0: something oh wait there's more to hear the full and complete audio version of this great interview. Make sure you tune in and check out the full audio on all of the streaming platforms: as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as anywhere you can find find podcasts like this one here. Coming up on the other side of the break: Are video games too addictive, or is it just bad parenting? Also. Is it a problem to be monogamous as a man? We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out the NH experience here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Keep it
4: locked.
1: This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio.
4: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov/covid19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
5: Slam Radio. What's up from Enrique Santos 1249. I Heart Latino. I'm from the murder side, Long Beach, certified 20
0: Crip, You heard it right. Boy no place you can hide Someone
5: up to sea but got homies from the other side
0: Boy, I hooked up all right phones. final segment of the show the nh experience here on sirius xm shout on 145 gotta bump that mount westmore you already know now this is what hey jake i gotta say man this is what i've had been anticipating for years
3: it's about and we time. finally got the project yes. shout out to huh.
0: snoop Dogg, e40 ice cube too short yes Oh, if you haven't heard about Westmore, you definitely got to check it out. It's a, it, I gave it 9 out of 10. Mm. Mm. It's that good. Mm. And they got more music on the way. That's what's so scary yeah, about the school.
3: Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> but these are all these legends, legends in their own right. And then for them to join and be superpowers, man, you know, West Coast Ooh. is definitely back.
0: Yes, sir. And you do know that. <laughs> All right. Well, we also are back. And uh, what you got cooking in the kitchen, man, since you back putting the apron on and everything? (laughs) Got the apron, got the hat. Let's go.
2: It's always something to talk about. Let's check out the Moments Brunch. What's cooking this week, guys? All right.
3: All right. In Canada, three parents have filed class action lawsuits against Epic Games for making the game Fortnite too addictive for children. Do they have a legit claim with this? Hell, come on, man!
0: Oh my God, this sounds like a creeping on a come up situation. Let me do, mm. let me, let me, let me speak on behalf of the children, because apparently the children don't have enough sense to speak up on this. And let me see if I can get a a, a, a quick couple of uh, numbers left of the decimal point. That's what this sounds like. Now, every kid in America, every kid, I'm sure, worldwide, I don't know what's going on in Canada, but I'm sure it's happening in Canada as well as other countries. Fortnite has been a, a huge phenomenon. Jake, you have children.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't
0: know if they're into Fortnite. I know I have cousins that are into Fortnite. They in have America. come out with it. yeah, Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an epic phenomenon. And yes, kids are. But you know what else kids are addicted to? They're addicted to phones. They're addicted to yes. tablets. They're addicted to iPads. You know, the, you know what kids need to be addicted to—good parenting. Yes, that's you. what they need to be. That's what, that's what this sound sounds to. like. Yeah, this sounds like insufficient parenting. The fact that you're not—maybe you're not spending enough time—and and for whatever reason, again, I'm a single parent. I, I have so much time mm-hmm. in the day, mm-hmm. and I try to dedicate so much time with my son. But I mean, you can't do everything and try to still maintain it and make a living. So I get that part. But at the same time, if you're a two-parent household, you live in the same house and your kids are addicted to Fortnite, that's a you problem, not your kids' problem, and not the Epic Games. That is a you
3: problem. Absolutely. You know, people just get lazy and throw their kids in front of a screen to babysit them. So, you know, enough of that. It's ridiculous. You know, be a parent, damn it. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next item on the menu, Caleb Williams became the eighth USC player to win the Heisman. What is the future of the USC program, and what does this say about Lincoln Riley?
0: First of all, congratulations to Caleb Williams. I've been a, had an opportunity to watch this dude all year long. I yes. mean, he's progressively gotten better with each game. I think that like I said before, I think the only bad game he's had was mm. against Oregon State, because they look like absolute trash. They the struggle bars were real. Um outside of that. Um, yeah, they 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 choked on the biggest stage, on the biggest opportunity they had to get to the college football playoff, but Caleb Williams was hurt. And the fact that this man was still hopping around on one leg mm. and still getting it done and being compared to guys like Patrick Mahomes uh, on the collegiate level is absolutely astonishing. Yeah. I think Caleb Williams is an absolute stud. I think he, if he comes back next season, I think he's going to be even better. Um, But as far as Lincoln Riley's concerned, I mean, that's three Heisman Trophy winners under his tutelage. I mean, yeah. Baker Mayfield was a Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. uh, uh Oh, What's we'll the the quarterback for uh, the Arizona Cardinals? Um, Murray. Anyway, Kyler Murray. Kyler, Kyler Murray. Thank you, Kyler Murray. User mm-hmm. and now Caleb Williams. So Lincoln Riley knows how to produce good quarterbacks yep. on a collegiate level. He does. Um, my concern as far as the future of the USC program, you'll have to stay tuned for my answer for that. <laughs> this
3: guy's the limit as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, props to him. All right. This, all right. I got so many opinions about this guy. (laughs) On a recent episode of Charlemagne the God show, Hell of a Week, proud Pan Africanist Dr. Umar Johnson (laughs) said that alpha males are not supposed to practice monogamy. Is this truth or is this some BS? (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. I, I some i, got so I say, say this man I got so much to say on this guy.
0: i think umar johnson is a good child psychologist he understands and he can give you some really good information as far as if your child is in special needs and especially black children mm-hmm. um and other you know children of color that are going through the, the public school system and all the 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 potholes and pitfalls they try to throw parents through because parents you know they don't know everything you know what i mean so mm-hmm. if you don't have somebody that's with you 24 7. How do you know? So the fact that he's been able to disseminate this information, uh, that's very poignant. I applaud him for that.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: All this other stuff he's on, Mm -hmm. he just trying to get a check and stay relevant. The fact that you disrespected Deion Sanders, you trying to stay relevant because you mad. You wish you had stuff that Dion had and to be able to do the things that Dion did. I mean, look how long it took this clown to put a school together. You know what I mean? And and, and people kept asking him about the funds and he couldn't even attest for the funds. And allegedly, he probably yeah, the school is, is available or is about to be available because he finally got the buildings to, to put the school in motion. Um, but it's non-accredited. So how far does that take? you? Yeah, exactly. Number one. Uh, to him talking about being an alpha male, dog. When you got to when you when you got to talk about how much you are something, you're probably not. Yes,
3: yes. Whether you think you're cool, or whether you think you're a banger which we witnessed this weekend long <laughs> <laughs> well, <I'm> story wait <laughs> or, or like women that,
0: there's some women that put beautiful on their t-shirt or put sexy on their t-shirt sweetheart if you gotta uh, announce a label and put a label on your shirt to announce to people who you are you're probably not false. Advocate. I don't have to go unless I'm talking to the school of the blind oh <laughs> I don't have to announce that oh, I'm a 6 foot 4 200 plus pound black man right <laughs> You can pretty much see it if you come in contact. Pretty
4: obvious.
0: (laughs) Right? Unless I'm on the phone taking a census survey, which they cannot see who I am, and they're asking me legitimately what is my race, height, weight, stature, so forth. Right. Okay, that's different. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in public and you can see me, I don't have to constantly announce that I'm a black man. You do do not. You can either see it or you don't. The fact that you have to constantly remind uh. people that you're an alpha male, and even with some of these women, that my like, oh my alpha female, huh? well, you know, as an alpha female, no, you're not. I'm independent because if you constantly because if you constantly have to remind people of it, you probably, who are you reminding them or you
3: them uh,
0: th- themselves exactly, and it's and it's a, it's it's complete BS. It is that you that you don't want to be monogamous. People can choose to be monogamous or not. I'm sorry, as a man and as a single man it would be tough for me to juggle a bunch of women because it's a lot of time, it's a lot of energy, and it's a lot of money. You gotta Yes,
3: dating is expensive. I try to tell dating everybody this,
0: expensive. man. Dating is expensive. Thank you. It, costs it is a very lot of expensive. money. <laughs> Dude, I wish I could find one woman that just understood me as much as I can understand them, to be able to be faithful to them as much as they can be faithful to me, and to be able to have build that camaraderie and build that chemistry and to cultivate that relationship. Amen. Because I don't have a problem being a one, a one woman man like my man Dave Hollis used to about. Okay. I don't have to worry about that. Because I, I one thing about me and my previous relationships, I have never cheated. Right. Not one time. Same. Y'all can believe it or not, I really don't give a damn when, when when I do, you'll be the first to know. But like I said, I've been cheated on. Oh, yeah. And it sucks. It's the worst. It absolutely sucks. <laughs> but you know what else is great? They move, they they move a trifling ass on out the way for the right one to come in my life, and whoever that person is, and they decide to come in, I welcome them with open arms.
3: When you but as far back. as this
0: moron is concerned, <laughs> ladies, do not listen to this no, fool. No, because every man does not think like that. No, I'm sure some do, but every man, I'm sure a lot of males think like that. But men, we don't think like that. Absolutely, we want one woman that can have our back like a spinal there cord. You if you can't understand that. And
1: get the hell on.
3: I agree 100%. I, people that have to juggle so many people, it's insecurities. Because it's their own ego that's, that's sore and hurt. And, you know, they got to feed their own ego by having all these chicks. Now, one woman is where it's at, man. That's how I feel about it. And that is the moment's brunch.
0: Thank you so much, sir. Obviously, I don't know if you got a chance to see this, uh, but the Golden Globe nominations recently yes,
3: dropped. Yes, yes, I saw that.
0: And uh, congratulations to the queen, the legend herself, Miss Angela Bassett, friend of the who show, was nominated. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, go check out my interview at YouTube.com Experience TV where she talks about her role and playing her role in the upcoming in the uh current blockbuster film Wakanda mm-hmm. Forever Black Panther 2. Um, I'm so thoroughly happy for her. I think she. That role that she embraced in Wakanda Forever deserves. I think she should clean house in the award season this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, uh, And also speaking of which, Rihanna uh, was nominated for Golden Globe for her song "Lift Me Up," which I thought was powerful. If you yeah. watch the movie, the song itself is is dope, but song. It, it, it's more. It, it brings more strength to it when you
3: watching the movie. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. You, have you seen the movie yet, Jake? I have not seen the movie yet, but I plan on seeing the it. The hell are you waiting on, man, man? I'm busy. I got five jobs. <laughs> now you
0: got three kids. You mean to tell me you ain't you ain't you ain't, you ain't none of the kids want to go see Black Panther. Man, too? we're
3: we're all about to have Christmas break here soon, man. So we're all going to have a good time be able to watch it.
0: Okay. I'm just saying you
3: Man, I got I mean, three it... daughters, two teenagers, one that drives, bro. You know I got to work. <laughs> but we
0: you know what here. I was about to say I was about to say something but I'm going to leave that yeah, alone leave I'm not going to yeah,
3: leave it alone I'm going to leave that alone you leave, I, you leave it alone
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I ain't going to say that don't touch nothing it, it wasn't a, dis, it, it a diss towards you I was going to speak some truth to power but I'm going to leave that
3: alone
0: <laughs> I'm going to leave it alone anyway y'all and that will conclude this show for this week thank you so much for tuning in the best 60 minutes of your week has now concluded If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all of the streaming platforms. That is Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, all for free 99. I'd like to thank our special guest from above the law, Cocaine, as well as Code 187, a.k.a. Big Hutch, for joining the program. If you want to hear the full, unadulterated, complete interview, make sure you download it on all of the streaming platforms and a special note i like to thank our new partners over at the Believe Network. We are now also a part of the Believe Network. They will be adding the NH experience yes. to their list. So thank you so much, everybody at the Believe Network, uh, for adding the NH experience. Really greatly appreciate it. I'd like to thank all of you for taking the time out to listen. Everybody at SiriusXM, Nightcast Media, and Slam Radio, thank you so much uh, for Jake Warner, producer extraordinaire, engineer to the stars. I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, the Loudmouth, the The Voice for Radio, The Face for TV. We are out. We in the wind like paper planes, y'all.